What's up, everybody? It's Mr. James O'Neill here, keynote speaker, National Board Certified Math Teacher, and today, your podcast host. My mission is targeting mastery for all, empowered by equity for all, through the belief of expectations for who? For all, y'all. And if you know, if I'm saying y'all, you know where I'm hailing from. I'm hailing from the South. By way of the QC, the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'm super excited that you decided to join me. All right, people. So today I want to talk to educational personnel. You can be a teacher, you can be a principal, you can be a teacher assistant, whatever you are in education, I want to talk to you. And though I'm talking to you, you may be listening and you may be someone that's not in in education, but you are a decision maker and I yet want to talk to you. So today's podcast is going to come from a place that is very near and dear to my heart. It is the fact that you can make a difference. I grew up as a very sensitive young man. I remember feeling everything in my surroundings. And because I was so sensitive as a little boy, it wasn't the expectation of me. And so many times I was rejected from being a man or growing up to being a man. Clearly, I'm just a boy, but I did not fit the stereotype of hardness as a child. And so, so many days I grew up not feeling as if I was man enough. I did not feel that I was worthy. I did not feel that I had the tools nor the relationships to live and to have a successful life. And so many days, I just didn't want to be on what we call earth. I wish that I didn't exist. I grew up in a church and so they told us that suicide, that if you committed suicide, you went to hell. And so I'm just like, listen, I'm not going to live in what I call hell and then go to a place of eternity for hell and be there for the rest of my life. I don't believe that anymore, but that's what they said growing up about suicide. I just believe totally different now about suicide and taking your own life. They used to say because you couldn't ask for forgiveness. Lord have mercy. If I get in an accident right now, just out of the blue, there were so many things yesterday that I did not ask forgiveness for. You think I'm gonna go to hell? Like, I'm just, this is not where I'm talking about today, but I just want to give y'all why it doesn't make sense anymore. The reasoning of why they told me if you did that, you went to hell. But to make a long story short, I did not feel I had any worth any value because uh, I did not fit the stereotype. I did not fit the norm of a black boy. And so I've always lived with insecurities. I've lived with insecurities that spoke to my value, spoke to my worth, spoke to whether or not I believe that people listen to me that people wanted to be around me. I'm really getting like personal today, but I just feel like it's necessary for this podcast. I've always felt that my voice didn't matter. And so growing up, I didn't speak a lot. I never spoke in front of people. In fact, you know, I do spoken word and I speak for a living now, (laughs) which is crazy, but that's how God will turn things around. So I I do that now. But back in the day, today is Easter Sunday when I'm recording this. And 
do you know in a black church <laughs> you know everybody had a little speaking part during the holidays especially easter or christmas or especially little small community churches you know everybody had a speaking part i would fumble and freeze every time they put me in front of people i couldn't do it it was the all eyes on me how am i being perceived what do they think about me Am I liked? Am I good enough? And I would just freeze. The fact that I can stand up and recite spoken word that upwards to 13 and 14 minutes long by memory in front of crowds of people, the fact that I can get up and speak in front of people right now is a miracle. In fact, some of my friends that know me will say that when I grew up, grew up with me rather, we would just be like, we just don't know who you are anymore. And so I'm giving you that foundation because I would sense that there was something out there greater. I was just like, I'm never going to get there because I don't want to go. I'm scared. I'm afraid to challenge what I see around me. I'm afraid to speak truth to power. I'm afraid that no one will listen. No one will follow. I'm, I just don't believe in me. Who would want to listen to me? I have some of the lowest self worth that I thought could be had in a human being. And I say all of that to preface what I'm asking of you. Every person that's listening to this podcast today. I say all of that to say that that's not who I am anymore. And though in this podcast, I don't have enough time to tell you everything that has transformed my life, I will take you to a time in my life where I had to make a decision. And so in 2016, I left Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I had been teaching for seven years, seven or eight years. And I came to North Carolina and I came to this amazing school. I actually researched them. You know, by the time I was leaving Pittsburgh, there were school grades and you could see on the websites and you can see reviews. And I use that to my advantage. And in my heart, I knew that God was leading me to a place of diversity by teaching in Pittsburgh. I did not have a very diverse environment. It was pretty much black or white. Like there were just no Hispanic kids in the school. There was just no, it's just black or white. And you can be in pretty much a predominantly black place or a predominantly white space, or it could be a mixture but it was just what it was. And I knew in my heart I was being called to a more diverse place and a place that will give me a challenge because I became one of those teachers that the expectation is that you want Mr. O'Neill, you want Mr. O'Neill, you want Mr. O'Neill as your teacher. And being the only black male in one of the districts that I was in, clearly you wanted Mr. O'Neill because 50% of us are black and you're, that's the only black man in the entire district. And so that's another story. And so so when I came to Charlotte and I looked into my class, 
when I began to teach math there, uh, the math was different, which is another story. But I, I saw that there were three levels of math. I was normally used to two. So I was normally used to the math eight standard class and then an algebra one class being the highest level of math class. And then I came to Piedmont and they had a math eight class a math one class, which was pretty much an algebra one class in Pittsburgh. And then they had a math one, two class where they would teach math one, the entire math one curriculum in the first semester. So quarters one and two and the second math two would be taught in the second semester, which would be quarters three and four. And so when I came to the school, I looked and I was like, oh, this is different. I did, I'm, I'm not going to teach that math one, two class right now because I clearly have to learn this other math. I don't have uh, the capacity to do that. And thankfully, there was another teacher by the name of Miss Delery. She was teaching that class. But I remember looking into her class and there was only one class of students that she taught the math one, two class to. And I saw no black males. Now, there at my school, were 60% of the population were black students. And out of that 60%, half of that were black males. So 30% of the students at that school were identified as black males. And there were none in the math one, two class. The very next year, there were none in that class until I got one young man by the name of Cole he was in my class and he said that he wanted to take math one, two. And I was like, uh-uh, go, 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 go. I'm going to be here to support you. Take the placement test. We need someone in that class. And the very next year, there was one black male out of the entire school that was in that class. I took offense to that. Because not nothing against my school. I love my school. And you can tell us we are the greatest. We are Piedmont. Piedmont, you know, like that's who we are. Like, I'm just not going to. I got pride. I have pride in my school. Pirate pride. (laughs) So I'm not going to diss my school in that sense. But I noticed that we were one of the most diverse schools on paper. Like, y'all, you talk about diversity, woo! Like, check, 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 check. But the advanced classes held an overwhelming amount of white and Asian students. And then with the minority students, it was overwhelmingly female. And there were very little, and as you know, no black males in the class. There were other brown males in the class, but no black males in that class. And so I had to make a decision to say, I want to do something about this. Every Monday we had clubs at our school and my club at the time was car playing clubs. And so during six block, which makes our school very different, we a teacher can sponsor any club that they want to sponsor, right? And so you can go from Fortnite to watching movies to ballet club to outside club to to sports to games to chess. And so I literally had a card playing club and I taught kids how to play different types of card games. And then we finally got to spades and they were just like, we don't want to play anything but spades. 
And I taught the kids how to play this play space, and it was over. I remember this white boy in my class named Jordan. It was just like, Mr. O'Neill, we playing space today, we playing space today, we playing space today. That's all we did. And so what? We were having fun, and the kids got a chance to see a different side of me. It was just it was just really good. And one of the teachers partnered with me, and we used to have tournaments against her class and, and my students, and it was just a great place. But I realized that I wanted to take advantage of the fact that I want to start a math club that's just geared towards black males. And the goal was that I wanted to make sure that by eighth grade, there was some black male representation in this highest level class and that the numbers of black males taking math one, which was the class that I taught, would increase. I wanted to change the narrative at my school. I am going to say this because I want to dismantle the lie that's in education to say that we cannot make a difference, that there is just too many systems and there's too many checks and balances that we have to go through. There's too much red tape and all this other stuff that we have too many hoops to jump through that we cannot be effective and impactful within our practice. I'm telling you right now that that you have a circle of influence that you are in charge of. And one of the greatest circles of influence that you have are the kids that you see every day, all hundred of them, over a hundred that we teach, many of us teach. And if you're in a small district, then all the kids that you, you, that is your level of influence. That's the foundation. Above that are the teachers that you communicate with, are the parents that you have, is the administration that you have. And some of us are in places with horrible administration. That's not today's lesson. Today's podcast is sponsored to you by empowering you to understand that you can make a difference. And so I decided that I was going to start a club to dismantle the amount of students that are in that class that don't look black and are not identifying as male. And so I started Aftermath. Aftermath is a club aftermath class that focuses on the aftermath of black and brown boys pursuing aftermath. Aftermath. It is a play. It is a pun on words. It is a club after math class because it's six block on Mondays that focuses on the aftermath is what I call the result of black boys pursuing what? Aftermath. And so I started this club to change the narrative of my school. Notice I did not need... (laughs) to write a grant. I did not need to appeal to a senator nor a representative. I did not need to write a long letter to my principal. All I needed to do was start a club and change it from spades, which was for the culture, right? (laughs) And I changed my club from spades club to aftermath. I did not need the permission of every parent. And I did not need the permission of all the teachers around me. 
I just gave myself the permission to say you can make a difference. Yes, I talked to my principal about the club and what principal would be like, nah, we ain't going to do that. Like what? Oh, we can take <laughs> we can take this to another level. <laughs> I can start talking to these parents. I can send out an email to these parents and be like, this is what I'm trying to do. Can I get your support or whatever like that? Like, we're going to change this narrative. But thank God I got a principle that supports me. I know that's not the case for everybody. And, and I want you to le- listen to this. Excuses are coming to your head right now that says that you can't do something like this or you can't do whatever you are able to do in your circle of influence. I want you to listen to your thoughts and I want you to tell your thoughts. Stop lying to me. You are a liar. Stop lying to me. And so I started this club because I wanted to see more black males in this class in math one, two. By the time my club, and so what I do, I got to be fast with this because I don't want to keep y'all here all day, but this is my passion. It's my baby is one of the reasons why I show up the way I show up every day. And so in sixth grade, I get the top scores, the top 20 black boys, I get their state assessment scores in math and I write this eloquent letter to their parents and I email it to them. I mail it home and I say I'm inviting them into this club and I tell them why I'm inviting them to into the club. So 90% of the parents are on board which then doesn't give the kids a chance to be like, no, because it's sixth graders, right? And this club class, I mean, during club time, you can do whatever you want. And so there's so many other things that they can do, right? They can be playing sports outside. They can be doing watching anime. They can be doing uh, PlayStation or whatever. There's so many fun things to be doing. Like who wants to do math, right? And so, but I get the parents on board because I want them to know that I want to partner with them in dismantling this idea that these boys are not worth it. And so once they get the parents on board, the kids may come in begrudgingly, but they realize that they've been chosen. And when I tell you that does something to some black boys to understand to people in general that you've been chosen when many times they have been looked over, when you feel like someone has chosen you based on your brilliance, not based on your sports, not based upon the newest stereotype, like your brilliance is the reason why you're here. It lifts the level of expectation to be in the club and they feel like something special though they realize that I'm coming to this club and Mr. O'Neill is going to talk to me about my brilliance he's going to challenge me he's going to make sure that I understand why I'm here the purpose of me being here he's going to give us problems that are not going to be easy but he's going to be there to support us he's going to speak brilliance and then he's going to take us out of math and he's going to look at our grades in general and tell us if we make the honor roll you get a pizza party every quarter he's going to praise us for being brilliant all around and if you don't make it you're not coming because his expectation is is that you are brilliant and you should be brilliant all around based on my advocating for these students we have seen upwards to five black males in that class now you may be thinking like five that's it there were none (laughs) oh man in this class and what I want to say is that it's changing the expectation of the teacher the teacher that teaches the class is amazing I don't think it changes her expectation at all because she's for she's for this but it changes the expectation of the students that don't get to see black males in that class 
Oh my gosh. Because, whoo, I'm trying to, oh gosh, it's getting to my heart. Because when you're in a class as an Asian student, as a white student, as a Hispanic student, and you don't see black males, what do you intrinsically start to believe? They can't do it. They're not as smart as us. If they were as smart as us, oh gosh, help me today, they will be in this class. You begin to dismantle the unconscious biases and the actual conscious biases that are actually there because of the system that supports it. I'm saying all of this to make you understand that the kids that don't get into math one, two, that I do not teach all those other black males, they come to me. I tell my principal, I want to teach them because the reality is many of them need the, in the targeted support that I'm going to bring. I don't let them slack. And when they do, I'm coming for them. It's personal. It is personal to me. And so what I'm saying to you that's listening today is that you can be the ceiling or you can be the door. I choose to be the door. I choose to be the window. Like you're getting in. Like I'm going to be access. Now, how far you go is up to you. I'm going to tell you where I want you to go and you can take it further than that. Like, I know these kids are more supportive than I've ever been as a student. If, if I went back and trade places, and you know my story, I sit in the class by myself. And I understand how it is to be the token and how it is to be the only. And they're sitting in classes where they're not the only, where they are raising their hand, where they are one of the top students in my class. I'm giving them access. And what I'm saying to someone that's listening today is that you may not be able to lobby at Congress. You may not be in the place to write laws. You may not even be the principal. You may not be the assistant principal, but you can make a difference. You have access. Teachers are some of the most powerful people in society because we give kids access all day long. We close doors. We open doors. We shut them. We crack them open. We have power. And I want to let you know that you are not less than. I gave y'all my story in the beginning because you may hear my passion. You may hear my drive. You may hear my intent right now. It did not start like this. I had to do some self-work some self-esteem work, but I would be crazy to be the black man in the building teaching math and looking at the class right next to me and seeing nobody that looks like me. That doesn't bring offense to me. Sometimes we are so engraved in the system that we don't really realize the expectations and the, the actual flow of the system and the product and the input and the outputs that it always gives. We just get so normalized to it. This should not be the norm. At a school that is 60% black, why aren't there any black males in this highest level class? I want it to shake up the norm. And I am a teacher with no administrative role. I'm the department chair, but at my school, that doesn't make a lot. And it's not like a big 
responsibility. You know what I'm saying? I get information that I disseminate to the teachers and just be like, hey, all right, meeting over. I don't <laughs> I don't play a huge role in actually shifting the culture of all math teachers, but I do play a role in shifting the culture of eighth grade black boys because I made the decision to be an influencer within my circle. Whoever's listening today, if you are in a classroom, you make a difference. You don't have to look like me. Let's get that out there to make a difference. You don't have to look like me to be passionate about students that look like me. You just have to understand that you are powerful. You are powerful. And the decisions you make about a child can open a door or be the ceiling to a child's advancement. Aftermath has changed many black boys that have come through Piedmont. It is the small yet impactful circle of influence that I have at my school. And I use my influence so that I can be a door. I can be a window so that I can make a difference. I didn't need to sign a petition. I did not need to walk or march. I just needed to change my club. What are you sitting on? Who are you denying access to? Because you have not said, I can do it. What child is not seeing a future because we have denied them it? Listen, I wear many hats, but one of the hats I choose to wear, not the one that is brought onto me by the system of education, one of the hats I choose to wear is a system disruptor. Can you put that hat on? I promise you, when you put that hat on, all the other hats may feel heavy, but that hat will support all the other hats that we wear in education. I want to remind you that you make a difference. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and you know I am readily available to come in to talk to your schools, to talk to your teachers, your students, whomever concerning Mastery for All or even the content that I displayed in today's podcast. You can reach out to me at any moment at info at mrjamesoneal.com and O'Neill is spelled O-N-E-A-L. I would love to come in and support your school, your teachers, your students anyone concerning the topic I talked about or just around mastery for all, please visit my website at www.mrjamesoneal.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Mr.JamesOneal and or LinkedIn and Twitter at Mr.JamesOneal. No dot. I am so happy that you are with me today. I hope you feel empowered, inspired. Most of all, I hope something I said to you today tells you that you have the power to make a change and make a difference in your world. As always, I'm super excited that you decided to join me. Have an amazing day.